Okay. Are you ready? Yep. I'm Amy Tang Zhao, a Chinese living in America. You want me to call you Amy, or do you want me to call you Tianyi? And I'm Meg, an American who is about to marry into a Chinese family. It allows people to have an eye into who we are as people and how we find our own identity in the world. We're the hosts of this world. A podcast that explores what it means to traverse between cultures and shares stories that intersect Chinese and American culture to interrupt cultural barriers and create connections. Yeah, so this is the, I would say, the second installment of the whole artist series of the Spark Podcast.、Um, today, we are very excited to bring on a photographer. He's actually friends of Meg. And I will let Mac tell you more about it. But the reason why we found him very interesting is because I first stumbled upon his works,、um, and he, he, Mac shared with me a lot of the photos that he took during his work, and then told me a little bit about this person. And I just felt like he's so unique as an individual because, other than Mac's husband, I've never seen someone from China who grew up in China and had such an outdoorsy. Spirit and also really integrated, quote unquote, integrated to a lifestyle that's so fundamental to American living in、um, Montana and like you know very outdoorsy area. And I really admire his work and his spirit. Most importantly, like I just, I he is doing something that I, I would have been dreaming of since I was really young. So in the, in America, in a country that is not his homeland. So I think. Yes, the second endowment of the artist series. I think he will be a great guest to tell us more about his journey of traversing in between U.S. and China, and actually finding himself resonating towards a lifestyle that is quite unique to most people from China. Yeah, everybody, I'm super excited to introduce to you today.、Um, J.K. and I first met J.K. I got married this past year、um, in the tumultuous year of 2020, and my husband and I we found J.K.、Um, a videographer. We were looking for a videographer, and he stood out to us because he's also alumni of our amazing university, the University of Montana. Um, he just graduated this year, and we found him. And at the last possible second, he showed up to capture our wedding day, which was super important to us because no one could be there necessarily, except for just a few people. It was 15 people,、um, and that's it. And so we wanted to have something that captured the day and allowed other people to see what the day was、um, without actually having been there. And J.K. absolutely beautifully captured the day.、Um, Every time I watch the video, I just like it makes me super emotional, and it, he captured it just how how it happened.、Um, but then I started getting more acquainted with J.K.'s work, and everything he creates is like that as a videographer. And so I want to introduce to you today、uh, J.K. Liu, an ex- an aspiring documentary filmmaker and visual journalist, currently based in Missoula, Montana. And he longs to create compelling cinematic stories and meaningful works surrounding conservation, art, and the outdoor culture. So, without further ado, I want to introduce J.K. Hey,、uh, this is J.K. I'm the second Chinese that's arriving in Montana, uh, except uh, makes house makes husband、uh, Harry. That's a great、yeah. introduction. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, 
Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, really appreciate that you like you like my work. Yeah, we're so we're so excited to have you on the podcast. And not only did I get acquainted with your work, but I also in between different takes on my wedding day, we got to sit down and we got to talk. Um, and I got to learn a little bit more about you and, and your journey here and, and all of that. So when I heard your story, it was a very compelling one because like Amy said, we don't, you don't find very many people who choose such a drastically different lifestyle from, from what they're used to back home. And, um, you've done just that. And like Amy said, you remind me a lot of my husband in that sense with your, both of your journeys and what you both are attracted to and coming to America. So before we get into all of that, I want to take it back to how all great stories start at the very beginning. And I'd love for you to share with us and, and, and tell us about how you grew up. Um, sure. Um, how I grew up. Uh, that's a pretty big question. Uh, so I am from a city, uh, called Yiwu. That's about four hours drive, uh, from Shanghai and it's on the East Coast. It's a small city with, uh, probably about 2.2 million people. I mean, it's huge to compare to Montana. Uh, <clears throat> so my, both my parents, they were born in the mountains and, uh, but you know they started their business in the city and and uh so i i went to school in the city growing up but during the weekends and holidays i still you know went back to where my parents grew up uh when they were kids so i i feel really grateful that they did that to me because i feel like that just brought me a lot of uh, good things that i that i think it's still that, that, that are helping me today. Uh, so I started falling in love with the nature, with the, you know, uh, the mountains since I was a kid. And, uh, so during the weekends or holidays, uh, my parent, my, my dad has a, has his house, uh, in, in the mountains in the village. So we have a family farm. Uh, we, even today, we still have hundreds of ducks, geese, and chicken. Uh, that's amazing we grow a lot of vegetable grow a lot of fruits uh we're not selling it we're just keeping them for you know for ourselves it's uh we 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 are a big family uh my dad has four siblings uh my mom has three siblings and uh we it's very traditional like chinese family orientated you know uh family i'll say um and uh, I just love that. I love that culture. And I think my childhood uh, was pretty versatile. Uh, so I went to school in the in the city. And uh, my mom is just kind of like a, another Chinese mother that puts a lot of effort and uh, time on kids' education. Uh, so I was taken to... A lot of uh, like uh, extracurricular classes in my in my spare time. Uh, I was taken to. I started a Chinese painting, traditional painting, since I was five. Uh, wow! And uh, I did that all the way to when I was probably fourteen, and uh, I started uh, the calligraphy uh, probably from seven or eight, I can't remember. Uh, and it's, I've, 
I had been doing that for a while as well. Uh, so when I was a kid, I thought after I grow up, I, I'll probably be a painter or a drawer. Um, when I was uh, about ten, so from nine or ten, I even did a really weird job.、Uh, I was a, a child model for two years. So, oh my gosh! <laughs>、uh, yeah, so I was not、uh, a model that. So I was not a model that only. I was a more like a fashion show model.、Mm. But at that time, it's not popular to use kids, so it's、huh. like very first、uh, age of people started using kids in their adult like fashion shows. Yeah.、So huh. Yeah,、uh, I I I can show you a photo.、Uh, I think I only have one right now in my phone. I love so, that. <laughs>、uh, How did you get into that? So、uh, the backstory was there was an agency that's looking for、uh, potential child models in our elementary school, in my elementary school, and they just went to every classes and they just look at everybody and.、Uh, Uh, then they pick the guys or the girls they they kind of you know liked, and、uh, we they we they just gather us together and、uh, uh, let us walk, just see how we walk. That's it. Wow. Like I so、uh, because most of kids at that age, you know, they 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 can't they they just can't not smile、uh, when they walk, especially <laughs> in front of a lot of people. So. But I didn't smile at all when I walk, and I think I was good at pretending to be cool. So they just, yeah, they thought I was kind of, you know, have, have I, w- I was a little bit talented on this, and they just picked me and、mm-hmm. uh, uh, started training me. So I had a, I, I had a photo of me walking in a.、Uh, oh my god! Oh my gosh! That is precious. So,、uh, That's cute. It's、uh, it's a little bit overexposure, and I look differently at that time. So I did that for about two years. I don't. So I didn't go. I didn't need to go to fashion shows all the time. But you know, when the fashion show happened, they they came to me and they pay they pay me as well. So that's like、oh、my, my first job. <laughs> I didn't get the money. My my mom got the money. And, <laughs> but it's it's a really cool experience. You know.、Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, and uh, uh, my parents and my family, we did a lot of、uh, traveling、uh, inside China growing up.、Uh, so we, my parents, always took me on a road trip every year, at least、mm-hmm. twice a year.、Wow. So yeah, road trip is a is a thing in my family.、Uh, we, my parents, especially my dad, he loves road trip and.、Uh, mm. So I started traveling inside China、uh, when I, since I was、uh, pretty little. So I, I, I just loved it. I loved the feeling of being on the road since I was a kid.、Yeah. Uh, That's so cool. Yeah.、Uh, and uh,、um, but when I was five, there was also something bad happened. Uh, so I got、uh, Tourette syndrome. 
I don't know if you guys have ever heard mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. It's, it's a type of tick disorder. Uh, so I still have it right now. Uh, wow. It's probably, right now, it's probably not that apparent, but it can be when I'm tired. So I got that when I was five. We didn't know the reason. Still, it's a, it's an unknown thing. Until today, we, you know, doctors, my parents took me to so many hospitals, uh, doctors to just tr try to treat me. And, uh, I was, uh, um, I was pretty uh, depressed for a, a, a amount of time when I was, especially when I was in the middle school. Uh, so I got my 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 Tourette's got really bad uh, mm. on the, in the first year of my middle school. So when I was a seventh grader, and I was even you know it's too bad to go to school. I I couldn't just wow. sit still for over like thirty seconds in the classroom, and I had it's a whole body tick it's super big tick and uh wow uh, so i took a year off i took a year and off and uh, a year and a half off um in the middle school during that year i my parents took me to the hospital hus two hospitals in beijing once a month and uh just to see the doctors uh i've been to beijing for probably 30 40 times <laughs> in that wow. three years because uh, I, I I went once a month um, mm -hmm. but because of that got into uh, live music you know mm -hmm. I'm not I don't play what well, very well but I love to I love just being in the the the, the, the avenue um, so I was actually uh, we call it live house in China it's mm -hmm. just like like a theater like Wellman like venue yeah, uh, yeah the concert yeah. hall yeah, for uh, it's a venue that's designed for those uh, independent bands, musicians, like indie you know, um, indie performance. Yeah, yep. I started being one of the audience since 20, 2012. Wow, two thousand twelve. So when I was in the, when I was a seventh grader, I love to go to those live houses. Uh, you actually went to Beijing for for hospitals and then for yeah, some I reason know, and then I you know. went to a live house because usually every time i went we stay you know we usually stay two nights or three nights usually just oh, I see. and uh, i had nothing to do at night but my parents said usually one of my parents would go with me but they they just stay in the hotel they just, i see but i was like i want to go out and see what's happening <laughs> and uh, so i found the first Mom. live house i found no oh, it's called jianghu Oh, Jianghu. Okay, it's a really small one. Uh, yeah. Probably before it's probably founded before Mao, and uh, I just loved it. I, you know, I got into uh, watching a lot of uh, live shows in China, and in high school, uh, I was volunteering in my local live house uh, mm. for a year and a half uh, before wow. I came to the States. So I had chances to meet a lot of uh, bands or indie indie bands from all over the world that's amazing that's amazing yeah. when you were so when you were volunteering for the live house um you said it was a year and a half before you came to the states right uh yeah yeah uh, it's so actually a lot so it's the last it's, it's uh when i was uh well, there's only three years in chinese high school uh -huh. so the second year and the third year 
when I was, I'll talk that a little bit more later. Uh, when, yeah. when I talk about like when I decided to come to the States. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you, did you start getting into videography, videography at that time? No, not at all. Not at all. I, I see. you were, you just found this love of music then you, you kind of turned this kind of not so enjoyable situation in your case into something where you made it enjoyable as, as you went along, you kind of, you kind of um, discovered a new love for something. And then that kind of, it seems like it developed into like a small passion. And then, so, so shortly after that, so tell us the, about the moment then, because you were, you were coming, you came to the States a year and a half later. So I just, I would love to hear about the moment you decided you wanted to leave China and, and come to the States. Uh, I actually always thought about going to the States for, for, for education, uh, especially after middle school. Uh, so I was even, I was actually thinking about that when I was in the middle school. But, you know, my health, wow. my physical health was not that great. Mm-hmm. My parents were just really worried about, you know, getting me to the States for high school. So I didn't yeah. make that happen. I didn't go to high school in the States. But at, mm-hmm. at that time, already, a lot of my local friends, they went to you know, high school in the States, uh, most of them were in California. So we're the city where I come from has a lot of entrepreneurs, have a lot of businessmen, you know, so most, a lot of them are just, you know, kind of health uh, wealthy and they, a lot of parents just try to give their children the best education as they can. So they sent their kids out to the UK or the US and at young age. So I didn't go for high school. Uh, so when I, the first year of high school, I just didn't like being in uh, Chinese middle school or high school. I feel bored. I feel really bored. And I don't like the vibe. It's so, everything is so strict. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then also my high school is boarding school. Uh, we lived in the school from Sunday to uh, Friday. And uh, we spend more than, so we wake up at 5.40 and we go to classes. You know, we have a morning, like reading session every morning from probably like 6.30. So we have our first reading session at 6.30 a.m. in the morning. And we have five classes in the morning, have four classes in the afternoon, and we have two classes at night. So it goes all the way from like 6.30 to 9.30. It's wow. kind of crazy. It is. It's stressful. And I don't like that. I don't like the whole vibe in the school. Everyone's so stressful. And you know, the teachers were so strict. And uh, they don't mm-hmm. look happy. Students don't look happy. And I'm, I was always thinking about going outside. And my parents were really supportive and i i was mm-hmm. i am very grateful that for to my parents for my parents because during my high school <laughs> that year in high school i often took days off to go to live shows i love it <laughs> and uh and uh, it's you know in china in the high school it's not that easy to get out especially in the boarding school mm-hmm. you know you have to have a legit uh like excuse to get out and you have to get <laughs> 
your parents' permission and your teacher's permission. Uh, wow. My parents, they were so helpful. They just, uh, they made up uh, excuses. They didn't tell my teacher in the in the beginning that I was going to an art show or a music show. <laughs> they were saying, they were saying I'm going to weddings or, you know, some, some family things. In the beginning. <laughs> um, but I think, after like one semester later, I just told my teachers truth. Uh, I just told I just told them that I, I I'm not going to the wedding or or other stuff. I wasn't sick. I was just going to uh, watch live shows. <laughs> you told them. Oh but, my goodness! Yeah. By then, did did you know that you're going to go abroad for college? Though no, not yet. Not yet. Wow. So all of this happened yeah. under the premise that you are going to college in China. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, wow. I was thinking a little about it, but I didn't decide. I didn't think too much at that time. I see. Uh, it all uh-huh. happened. Uh-huh. I think it all happened at just one night. Uh, I was so it's the end of the first year of high school. I was sitting in the classroom. We had the you know during one of the night classes. It's an ideology and politics class. Uh, oh, wow. I don't know how, if I translate right. Uh, uh, we I have. Uh, so. In my, in my, I don't know. If I'll just say ideology and politics. Uh, it's a class that you know how Chinese government works, something like that. And I, I just don't like that teacher, and I don't like the way how I also I don't like the class at all. Mm-hmm. I just hate that class, and I don't want to memorize all those stuff because we have to memorize everything on that book for exams. Mm-hmm. So I just called my mom that night. You know, I had my phone with me, uh, sneakily, and I went to bathroom <laughs> and made a call to my to my parents. I said, uh, "I'm so tired of this. I I need to get out. I need to. I don't wanna. I don't wanna continue high school in China." Wow. My mom just said yes. She didn't say that much, and she just picked me up at school, uh, find another excuse, and got me out. <laughs> and, and uh, I nearly never went back again. Wow. Uh, I I went back to take my uh, my my batting stuff, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I live in the school, and uh, I also went back the the last day of high school, like for the graduation. So I wow. still pay. Uh, after I left my high school, I still paid the tuition to my high school. I still uh went to those required big exams because. For applying uh, college in the, in the states, I have to have a, a certificate of graduate, like high school graduation certificate, to apply mm-hmm. to schools in the in, in the states. So uh, yeah, after I left, I went to another city and I started studying uh, the the English test called TOEFL, mm-hmm. and I start studying SAT and wow. at the time. At the same time, I started, you know, the volunteering thing in the live house in the theater. Wow. Yeah. So I went to the the language school, the SAT school during the daytime, and I went to uh, the venue at night. I was living by myself that year and a half. Also, that night in that classroom was the moment that I decided to leave. Wow! Wow! And then, so you decided to leave that night, but then. As some people may know, um, I also live in Montana, but Mont- anyone who's been 
Montana is a drastically different place from China. And it seems like your whole life, you've had this common thread though, of an outdoorsy lifestyle with some mountains sprinkled in there. And so I could see just based off of what you're telling me with your story that Montana seemed relative, would be relatively attractive to you if, if somebody was just telling you about it. But, but when did you decide to come to a place like Montana? Cause usually people who, are people who are studying abroad in America, they want to go to the big cities like LA, they want to go to New York, they want to go to all those kinds of places. And Montana is nothing like those places, if not the exact opposite. So tell me about how you ended up here in Montana. So after I decided to go to college in the States, I had no clue where to go, actually. So I, I got a, like a agency that helped, helped me target schools and apply for colleges. At that time, I think before a year I came to the, I came to Montana, I was targeting the top 50 schools in the States because that's, you know, where I think where most of Chinese students, they uh, went. Um, but I just, I saw those big cities, uh, LA, New York City, Seattle. And on TV screens growing up all the time. And uh, though I had never been to those places before I came to the States, but they weren't, I've seen a lot of them uh, in the movies or in the TV shows. Thought I didn't want to go to a place that a lot of people already went. At that point, I had no clue where, where I should go. After I finished my SAT learning and my OVO exam, my English test exam, I started traveling abroad by myself but in southeast asia wow. i think it's 20 20 2015's christmas i was in thailand in a northern city called chiang mai in thailand by myself wow and uh i was there for probably a month uh and i ran into an american guy uh through another friend so he had moved to Thailand about 25 years ago, 20, 20 plus years ago uh, from the States, big fluent Thai. So I was just following him uh, for a couple of days and uh, we became good friends. And But he's like at least 30 years older than me. Wow. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kind of, since I was a kid, I was, you know, good at talking to a lot older people. Uh, yeah. For me, like there, there's no gap. <laughs> uh yeah uh, to to talk talk to people who are a lot older than me uh right. we became friends and uh, i told him my struggle picking this uh, right american college and then he told me this place called montana and uh, that's the very first time i learned about montana it's a place i had never heard of before and uh it's just that that happened in a really peaceful morning in the countryside of Chiang Mai in Thailand. Wow! And I I was staying in his house, uh, you know, we're just drinking tea, uh, Thai teas, and talking about the colleges in the in the in the states. So after he told me, I looked up on Google, saw a lot of uh, you know cowboys, uh, great uh, prairies, mountains, rivers. Mm -hmm. Fly fisherman uh, mm -hmm. on on the internet. I was like, "Wow, this place looks so pretty, and this place looks so different from what I I saw uh, photos, you know, uh, of the states." That's the first time I I think had the thought about going there for college. I wasn't confirmed. I I didn't decide at that time. 
So after I came back to China, I went back to China. I uh, have another have a Chinese musician friend. He himself is a, a sound recordist. So he loves、mm. reading books that's about sound. So、wow. he told me this book. It's on my desk actually. It's called、uh, "One Square Inch of Silence." It's written by a、uh, American acoustic recordist, also an, an author. So this book is about twelve most peaceful places in the states that's found out, that's discovered by this author. I read this book and、uh, found out that Montana is one of is in is in this book and the、uh, some certain area. Uh, outside Missoula is considered one of the most twelve, one of the twelve most peaceful places in the states. Amazing. And, you know, that's the second time I think I had a strong feeling of going there for college. And、uh, oh yeah, and the、uh, the American person, the American fr- American friend I met in Thailand, he was in Missoula about twenty five years ago. He lived here. Wow.、Uh, Before he moved to Thailand, that's the first two times I, you know, heard about this place. I learned about this place, and the third time was from the movie "A River Run Through It." Oh my goodness!、It's、a classic Montana movie. Oh yes. Yeah, I didn't read the book, but I just watched that movie. I think it's from that movie. I decided I'm going there. That sealed the deal. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I told、yes. my parents I'm going there, and they have no clue either. Because <laughs>、uh, none of my family has heard about Montana. They know California. They know New York City. They know Washington. Right. They know, they know Texas. They know Florida, but they don't know Montana. Oh, absolutely.、Uh, yeah. So my my dad was okay. He's pretty supportive. My mom was supportive, but she's worried. She said、mm-hmm. it's so far away from your friends. Who also、mm-hmm. study in the states is so far away from big cities,、mm-hmm. and、uh, it seems like there's no Asian market here. It it is true that there's no Asian market in Montana. So I was a little bit nervous and anxious as well, but more exciting, more excitement at that time.、Uh, I just applied in the beginning of 2016, and just half year later, I I came here. Wow, that's、oh, cool. now you're here. It's crazy to think. I know. I was actually. It's so funny because I was at the University of Montana when you came there. We just didn't know each other, and we probably didn't cross paths. I was just about to graduate, but it's it's so funny. But so you just briefly touched on Montana just being such a different place.、Um, was there any part of you, or did you have any inklings about? Like, did you like the idea of it being such a different place? Being Like you mentioned too, like there really isn't、um, very many Asian people in in Montana, and there's really hard to come by the foods, you know, like you would be able to in a larger city. Like my husband and I were struggling with that right now, like trying to find the, all the foods we were able to get when we were in Salt Lake City for a brief time. So, was there a part of you though that was attracted? Like, was there a part of you that was attracted to that? I'll say yes, but I, you know, I did kind of intend to go to a place that is different. But I came here. It's not only because it's different. It's because I like it here as well.、Right. Um, I like what it has to offer here.、Uh, I like the mountains. I love the the fact that clo- it got so close to、uh, you know some of the most beautiful 
landscapes in the world. I, you know, we are only two and a half hours away from Glacier National Park. We are probably four mm-hmm. half away, four and a half hours away from Yellowstone. That's the world's first national park. Right. Seven hours away from the world's second national park, Banff National Park. Where we, you know, right now it's it's at the northern end of Rockies. I just love that fact. Also, I I wanted to go to a place with a kind of pure uh, American culture. I I knew America is a really really diverse country. That you know had got people from all the world who live here, but Montana is relatively like really simple, and mm-hmm. and just kind of pure to me. And uh, uh, I, I, I was just curious, really curious about about this mm-hmm. place. So it's not just because I I I, I want to go to a place that's that's different from other places. It's right. also because you know there are something that I really like to explore. Exactly. Yeah. Well, now after you came to Montana, and it seems like you found what you were looking for this entire time, you know, a beautiful landscape, a quiet place, the inner peace. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that being in a place where you are so different as a foreigner um, kind of inspired you, your career as a video videography or would that be a reason for you to put yourself in a position where you can observe and document this entire different landscape uh for sure um i think because you know uh being so i being a documentary filmmaker or a documentary uh videographer you really need to be curious about things that you don't Mm -hmm. know or Mm -hmm. you know uh I think that's that's really important because I'm here. I got a lot of access and opportunities to to capture to 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 document things that I has had never seen before. I just think it's worth documenting them and to let more people see it. I mean, just curious because I know that after you went to Montana, you realized this place had what you were looking for this entire time. Yet you are also an outsider because you're not from the States and you're one of the minorities. I'm just curious to to see if that was the reason why you got into the career as a videographer, as an observer who can document things, which you already answered. But I'm also thinking that what are some advantages and disadvantages as a videographer who are from a different culture? When you try to document things, how do you think? I know you may not have the right answer. It's just purely from my curiosity. But I'm just thinking how, what are some, what are some things that you feel like you can portray differently than people who might be from here or as sure. an American? Uh, so as, an complete, as a complete outsider of Montana, I think I will probably have a little bit more curiosity than the local a filmmaker or this uh, videographer and uh, at the same time I actually have a lot of challenges because I have this such a big language barrier I still mm-hmm. have language barrier right now especially when I started so I want to talk a little bit more about how I started videography yeah please yeah, do yes please do. so yeah. I studied the journalism in University of Montana so the first year when I was a freshman I didn't 
I, my major was undeclared. I didn't know what to study. Uh, I thought about uh, agricu- agriculture. I thought about uh, environmental studies. I tried that as well. Uh, I was a I was a, I was a, a, a intern in a farm in a local farm for a year, uh, and uh, I I thought about wildlife management, and uh, uh, I never thought about journalism. But one professor in J school in school of journalism just talked me into that. I think in mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, in the beginning of sophomore year, and. Uh, I, I do like photography. I, I knew, uh, you know, and photography is part of journalism. And, uh, but I, at that time, I didn't th- think about video at all. Yeah. So I didn't start videography until about two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. So I was studying uh, photojournalism. You know, uh, journalism major required a lot of writing. Uh, and I just, I'm so bad at, at writing. Uh, and I was the only foreign student uh full-time mm. foreign student in school for journalism here and i wow. just feel so stressed because all my all of my peers they had no problem uh, on at least on language you know uh but i just had a lot of challenges on daily assignment uh just writing it's part of our daily assignment after i got into photography we often got assignments of uh, going out to photograph some news events or uh, all kinds of events actually and uh, I was okay with that but after after uh, I got into a higher level journal uh, photo journalism class we got to do those projects that are more intimate uh, mm-hmm. you know we started doing some documentary photo projects and that requires a lot of uh, communication with your subject because Right. Uh, we need to, we, we the, the rule number one is we can't photograph our friends. We have mm. to find someone that we don't know, but it's interesting to photograph. And, wow. Uh, yeah. I was a bit scared and uh, I don't know. I didn't know if I could do it well, but I tried and uh, the result wasn't bad, uh, but the process was, was uh, quite challenging. I think yeah. I, I didn't. I just didn't know how shall I got into someone else, someone that I don't know's life. So, uh, I don't know how could be able to be so close to a total stranger. I it's right. it's it's hard to build that trust. Yeah, uh, I think it's not only in this culture. I think it's you know it's in the whole world. I mean, to anybody, it's it's hard to to build trust to uh when uh, two complete strangers to do such things and uh right uh, after i got into videography i found it even harder um because video you know clacks sound as well right it's you know it it clacks the movements so it's a Mm -hmm. lot more uh you know it got a lot more things going on compared to photos so people sometimes you know, a lot of people tend to be more cautious when they are being filmed. Right. Uh, so I found that a bit more challenging compared to uh, the photo documentary project, doing photo documentary project. You know, uh, in 20, 
in 2019's winter, so it's、uh, January to wait. Is that 20? I'm a little bit, a little bit confused. So for 2020's winter is December to next year's March, right? Right. Yeah. So it's actually 2018's winter. Wow.、Uh, I I did my first documentary, short documentary film about about.、Uh, A local ranch family doing about the local ranch family's calving season、uh, because Montana was really cold、uh, in the winter, and the twenty eighteen winter was you know one of the coldest in the in the recent fifty years. And I wonder after I learned about the calving season is right in the winter, you know, it's from usually from February to April, and.、Uh, I thought it must be really challenging for for the ranchers to 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 do the calving, and、uh, I started reaching out to people.、Uh, I don't know. I didn't know any ranchers my personal、uh, like personally at that time.、And、I found a ranch that's about two hours drive,、uh, two hours away by car from Missoula through a couple friends, through a lot of friends actually.、Um, wow! So I had. A fixer. So my friend was my fixer、uh, on the first trip to,、wow. to the ranch because it's a very typical Montana ranch, and、uh, I was a complete outsider. You know, some some nobody from China, and I feel so nervous the first time I went to that ranch to introduce myself. I just stumbled so many times when I tried to tell when I tell. When I try to tell them what I what I try to do,、yeah. <laughs> it's a、yeah. class project. It's just a class project. It's not a big deal, actually. It's not like something really serious, but it's important to me. So,、uh, but they're really nice people.、Uh, but the rancher, the the man, well, the household, the so the husband and and that rancher,、uh, he's a really tough guy. He barely smiled. I was pretty、oh、scared,、goodness. and he's yeah.、Um, so I started following that family around. There were so many things that I I didn't know at all、uh, about ranching. I mean, also language barrier plays a big part. I kind of didn't know how to communicate with them. You know, I feel、mm. like we, my subjects and I, we we came from two different worlds.、Mm-hmm. Uh, it's. So different. So I started talking to the youngest person in that family, is someone just like my age. It's a girl like my age, and so I found that easier to talk to get into the, their family. It's through talking to someone that's probably easier to talk to, and、uh, she's really nice. And、uh, we found a lot of things in common.、Uh, she dropped out of school, went home for. She went to MSU for a couple of years, and.、Uh, She just didn't like it. I, she went back for, for for ranching.、Uh, I went to the during that filming process.、Uh, I usually went there during the weekends. I just stayed there overnight. <clears throat> Those people were really hardworking people. They worked twenty four seven, just no no off at all. I try to. Get really close to my subject, my my main subject's、uh, intimate moment. I really wanted to capture the moment that she's really tired. She's just really, you know, a, we call it down moment. But that 
it's always kind of one of the hardest moments to get on, on the lens because it's hard to be invisible. But I try to be invisible. I try to be the invisible,、mm-hmm. invisible person in in their range. But it's hard.、Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I have a lot of respect to those、mm-hmm. photographers or、uh, filmmakers that have done some really intimate projects. I think it's it's just so hard to. To do that, absolutely. I think it's incredible because you're talking about these different assignments where already straight out of the shoot, someone who's in journal who's American and in journalism school, like already that's a daunting assignment. But then to add a language barrier on top of that, to add a, you know, you're in a foreign culture, and you're trying to communicate and. And make connections and capture these really intimate moments with people who are very like it's a Montana is interesting because the people here it's just a completely different culture than the rest of America. So you're talking about this ranch family. I mean, there are some people and just for some of the some of the listeners to have some familiarity and what we're. What 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 hurdles you've you've jumped over through this whole process is that there are some people in Montana who have never, and this is true for other parts of America, but they have never left their small little town. And sometimes these towns, I mean, there's only a million people in the entire state of Montana, and sometimes these towns are a hundred people or less. And sometimes, a lot of the time, people in those towns they haven't ever left. And so, I mean. I know.、Um, I heard one story one time where、um, my husband actually he was he was talking to somebody in a small town in Montana, and he said, "I'm from China," and they said, "Whoa, that place actually exists." They they didn't realize, and it's not because they were like being ignorant. They seriously didn't know, and. So the fact that you have pushed through—I mean, it's not just language barrier; it's not just cultural barrier. It's like there are. More barriers than just those two things to push through, outside of the cultural and language barrier. And I think it's absolutely incredible that you have pushed through those. And I've been on the other side of your lens before, and having never met you until the night before. I mean, and you really have seeing it in action. You really have a way of making people feel very comfortable, like very, like you have this very calming presence when you walk into the room. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if that's something you, you really try to do. I feel like it's natural for you, but you really have this calming presence that almost. Like you know, it can be one thing to try and be like a a fly on the wall to be invisible, as you said. It can be another. It's a whole other thing to do that in a way that makes people feel at ease. And I think that that's where a lot of your talent stems from. And not to mention too, something I do want to point out to the listeners as well. I mean, you said you started getting into photography and videography about two and a half years ago. If you were to go check out JK's work, which you absolutely should, it looks like. J.K., you've been doing this for ten years, ten plus years. Like your talent is like absolutely incredible, and I didn't even realize too after after you did our wedding. I was talking to you, and you you told me that was your first wedding you've ever done. I would have never known that. Like your work is like beyond like many videographers' like work added up together. So I mean, it's just incredible that you've as an artist. In American culture, like doing all these different projects and, and like going and capturing the the life of a of a family, a ranching family in Montana of all places. I mean, it's just incredible what you've 
done. It's, it's seriously incredible. So man, I, do you think like having, having gotten to where you are and having these experiences and becoming, I mean, I feel like you've gotten to the level of expertise that so many people work years to get to. (laughs) And I know you're super humble about it, but it's true. And so do you think like with, with these talents that you've really refined and, and curated, do you think you'll continue to build a life here in America? Or do you think this is something that you'll pick up back home? That's a really good question. And thank you for saying all of that. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm still, really, I'm still learning. I'm learning so many things uh, every day. And uh, there are just so many outstanding filmmakers out there. And they're just so, so good. I I try to, you know, become one of them one day. This is a question I've been thinking, thinking about it every day after I graduated this May. I'm still thinking about it. And uh, it's it's a kind of struggling because I, I love I love to continue to work uh, in the states for few more years, and I love to do more cool projects in the states. Uh, but at the at the same time, I really want to go back home. It's just I just miss home so much, and uh, yeah, I I am so far away from my family, uh, and uh, it's. I sometimes it's just I don't have a sense of belongings here. Uh, mm. I'm here by myself. Uh, even um, and and it's not it's not that easy to um, to work on. It's to get a, a job that I I. I love to do right now. Uh, it's because, you know, another reason is because I don't have, uh, I'm not a, I don't have a green card. I don't have the, the, like the, 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 a really uh, supportive visa status that can support me to do the things I like to do. Uh, I can't, I can't get a work visa from being a freelancer, freelance filmmaker. I can't. Right. And uh, uh, so not, not, a lot of production companies in the States are not qualified for hiring a international employee because they don't have that many people. They don't have that many uh, enough employees, American employees to get qualified for, for that company to hire international employees. So there's some certain type of rules for companies to, you know, be qualified to hire internationals. And those bigger production companies that I really want to work for them, I, which I really want to work for, uh, they are like the world-class top-notch production companies. And I don't think I'm good enough to get into those companies right now because I, I, I don't come from a film background. I come from a, a journalism background. I don't have knowledge of real cinematography. I don't. I you know, it's, I think I'm not good enough and professional enough to get into the, the, the work that I try to do right now. Uh, and that makes harder to, for me to, to start the, 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 the life that I, I really want to have. And, uh, uh, career wise, you know, a lot of my, my friends who, 
who are in the video industry, they, they suggest me to stay in the States for a couple more years to, you know, build more work to be, get more experience before I go, go, before I go back to China. And they said that, that can, you know, uh, make it easier, a lot easier for me to start in China. Uh, right now, I am, you know, a, co- a stu- uh, someone that who just graduated from a college. And uh, I, honestly, I don't have too much experience. I, I've been doing videos uh, for about two, two, a little bit more than two years. But I have actually, I have done, I have never done any video projects of my own in China yet. So mm. I don't have many connections and uh, I I have to start over again. So I, I am a little bit anxious about 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 that too. I, I do want to go back. I do want to get close to my family, especially during this time. Um, and I I have I'll say I I have I really have a like a Chinese stomach. I call it. Uh, I just Feel can't. That. I'm so tired of the food in Montana. Relatable. I can imagine. <laughs> I just can't stop complaining. I don't want to complain, but I just can't, can't stop saying that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. uh, food plays such a big part in my in my life, in my in my in my yeah. whole life. And uh, I miss the food culture that the eating vibe back home in China. And uh, I miss a lot of traditional things as well because I grew up in a very traditional. Uh, family-oriented environment and uh, I miss all of my families and friends there and I also think there are so many stories that can should be told uh, mm-hmm. in China I don't think I don't I don't see this going back to China is, is a it's a bad option at all mm-hmm. I'm just what struggled me most is the lifestyle uh, mm-hmm. it's it's you know I feel like this is such a important life-changing decision uh that i need to make for the for the next couple of years because i will definitely miss my montana lifestyle i, I will definitely miss fly fishing i miss skiing i'll, I'll miss you know riding the horses in the uh, on the on the on the prairie i'll i'll just definitely miss a lot of things um but you can't get both you know at the same time so i, I knew that it's just hard to pick one lifestyle for for the next few years. Right. Yeah. yeah. That makes total sense. We were talking to somebody um, just the other day, Amy and I, about the trade-offs that come with living in between cultures and and what's that what that's like, because you're right, you can't have both. Um but I mean, like Amy and I kind of say sometimes, like you can try always, but, but I mean, like one of my last questions and then Amy, I know you have a question you want to ask too, but, um, what does it mean then for you at this point in your life? And especially, you know, on the backdrop of 2020, everything's very heightened when it comes to the trade-offs, I think, because I can imagine like, I think about like being in my husband's position or like being in Amy's position or your position in the sense where like home is so far away. And I mean, it's all, it's, it's okay if home's far away, if you know that you can go back whenever you want, but when you're stuck in something like a pandemic, for example, um, things really start to get real. Um, if that makes sense, I can imagine like that's, that's super difficult. Um, 
But living in between cultures at this moment in time, what does it mean for you to be in between cultures? And do you think that it's something you said you wanted to go back to China, but do you think that it's something that um, you'll pursue, like you'll be living in, in, in the future, if that makes sense? Like, do you think you'll still pursue a life in between cultures once, you know, once you're out of 2020 and once things start to settle down as far as your career goes? I think I will. I, I think having the ability to live in between cultures is just fascinating. And uh, I know th- this, this year is quite different, but still, I mean, I th- I think having this experience, I think it's a it's just it's a great value uh, for my whole life. The most ideal uh, life scenario for me is to have the ability to travel in between cultures, uh, uh, to work. Uh, mm-hmm. I I'm not saying about you know being a travel videographer or filmmaker but i i wish one day i could become a a documentary filmmaker that do projects all over the world not only in china or states uh that's i think that's 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 my 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 goal my objective uh for the next probably 10 uh, one or two decades if i continue pursuing my my film uh career and uh, I I think it's always fascinating to 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 wander in between cultures. It's just so cool to learn about new culture, the new things from other culture, and that you you probably you will you will never know if I if you don't if you don't go and see it. And uh, and I I think it's it's just helping me to think about things. I'll say I became so much more open-minded mm. after, you know, after wandering in between cultures. I I see so many more things that are actually possible. And uh, when I look at the things that happen in China, especially, I feel like uh, I would definitely see see that thing in a very different way. Like I'll say five six years ago, compared to having you know having been traveling in between cultures uh i mean i i think i totally feel you on that traversing between culture and as a storyteller because for the longest time i personally take pride in being able to tell stories from like a middle point but at the same time especially given pandemics and everything that compounded comp compounded the type of loneliness and also just I feel so fragile sometimes because something that used to be your advantage used to be something that you are proud of or I was proud of became the reason why I have to be alone and feel lonely sometimes um so that's why stuck in between is a very odd place to be and why I wanted to do it in the beginning to do this podcast in the beginning because I feel like it's a place that people can relate and and facing these huge life choices when choosing colleges it's it was like i i just want one thing and then i got it but then as life goes on i felt the same like you know i miss home and then just even just food you know it it really it really 
um, it had a negative effect on my career behavior. Let's just say that. Right. Even wait, even in New York City. Not in New York, but、um, I could see how it could become a, yeah. a factor that have <laughs> negative impact on my work. You know,、um, yeah, yeah. I I feel the same way. I I I'm at a point right now, you know, that I walk into a grocery store in Montana and I don't know what to buy. Yeah. Oh gosh. Totally. Uh, <laughs> and. Uh, I every day at work I don't know what to eat for lunch. I don't know what to eat for dinner. I was just saying that you know, what we just really hope though is that I really hope all of these trade offs were are worth it, and I know it they are, because all of these you know homesick, all of these loneliness and feeling of fragile, not knowing what to eat, you know, as a trade off for building a successful career and being able to produce more things under your belt. I just really hope, and I know it will be a worthwhile experience for you. Thanks, I agree with that too. But just want to bring it on a lighter note that going all the way back. So, what kind of advice? I know that you did a rather spontaneous choice when you decided to go to Montana. If you didn't see that guy in in Chiang Mai, you wouldn't make the leap. But I'm just wondering, what advice going back would you give to someone who wants to pursue higher education in America and didn't know where exactly they want to be? So I assume the people who want to pursue higher education in America are yeah are people from all other other countries, right? Yes, yes, yes.、Mm. Maybe Chinese students, like they don't know where in the states that they would. Go or if they don't know what career, like they didn't, you know, where should they start? And what if they don't have that guy in Chiang Mai? <laughs> right, right. <That's laughs> cool.、um, I mean, I think it can be quite different for different people. And、uh, if someone is the people, you know, who know、uh, what what major they want to study. They can start looking into the, the 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 school that are pretty strong on that on that field, and、uh, also looking into the the place that where the school is, and、uh, see if you like that school,、mm-hmm. if you like that place. I think it's quite important. If you don't know what you are studying, just like me in the in in the very beginning, I just so one night before I knew Montana. I there there are two things in my mind. I'm o I I'm only going to a school that's either in the mountains or near the ocean.、Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just、mm-hmm. I need to be a place that's really close to nature, and I love ocean as well. Uh, and uh, a lot of people they really care about the school's rankings. Yeah,、uh, especially Chinese kids. I think Chinese parents because you know uh we. Growing up, talking about that basically, I personally don't care too much about rankings.、Yeah. I think what, what what your experience can can what experience you can get and、uh, what what lifestyle what you can you can you can probably get in the next few years is more important than purely school rankings.、Uh, I'm not saying that you should not apply to a school that's you know out of、yeah. like two hundred or a hundred. I mean, you should definitely pursue. The school, you know, that's you know, really you know prestigious, and、uh, 
Uh, I'm just saying, don't feel like it, it's bad to go to a school that's out of top 100. Yeah, that's、And、such a good advice. I love yeah, that. U U N University of Montana. I, you know, the school I went is is out of 200. I feel a little bit, you know, like you know, I I I feel a little bit not very confident in like before I came here. I talked to my friends or my teachers back in China because they don't know about this school. And they they love to ask about rankings, and、mm-hmm. they love to know that. But I was a little bit、uh, kind of uncomfortable to talk about that before. But right now, I don't care. Like、mm-hmm. I'll just tell them it's 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 not it's not in it's not top fifty or not even not not even in top two hundred. And but there's so many college, there's so many good universities all over the states. They are not just. A hundred schools. There are tens of thousands schools, and、uh, there are most of those schools you don't know.、Uh, I mean, if you are only trying to go to school with really high rankings, you need to think about if you are just doing that step just because you feel more, you have more pride when、mm. you talk about it. What you study really matters, and the place you live it really matters. I think, in my、yeah. mm-hmm. for sure, has the power to shape you. I think, you know, too. One thing that's special, I think, about the University of Montana is that it's such a unique place. Like, it's such. This is normally something I would speak to, but like, since we both have this shared experience, it's like it is a unique place, and it's not the the great. It's not like the top. You know, school. But the thing is, is that I feel like it's a special place where people、mm-hmm. really care about you. And like, you know, one thing that I noticed when looking at like, you know, top fifty, top one hundred schools and different things like that is like a lot of the time you have the. You become a number at those schools, just as you looked at the number to get to that school. But places like what you're talking about, there are so many different places where. They're special places, and you're not just a number. You have the you have the power to get incredible experience that you maybe wouldn't even have gotten at at the at the shiny school, if that makes sense. So I just I love that I I, I love that wh- what you said about that, and also you know one of the things too that thinking back earlier in your story when you were talking about how all your friends were going to all these different places, the typical places like you know the schools that everybody wants to go to, and. I think a test. You're such a testament to the fact that, like, you don't have to do what everyone else is doing, if that makes sense. And there's no shame in going the opposite direction and doing something completely different. And I really love that because I think it allows people the not that we need permission, but it kind of gives people permission to. to to basically pursue their individuality and pursue their own path, not just what. Everyone else has is doing, and I think you've absolutely done that. Yeah, when I when I decide to go to to you know to come here, I told I you know I didn't apply UN for myself. My agency was helping me applying it. They they were shocked that they didn't know about this school because I could got into fifty top fifty、uh, kind of easily, and uh, uh, they have never applied UN University of Montana for any of. Their clients before before me, so they kind of didn't understand why I, you know, decided to go to a school that nobody knows. And、uh, but I I I don't regret at all. I really I'm I'm grateful to my decision at that time. I, yeah, I just I'm just so grateful that my you know I have my parents' support 
all the time growing up. Both of my parents, they are not well-educated people. They drop out from middle school. So they only graduated from elementary school because they, you know, they didn't have the ability to, to pursue more educations at that time. You know, my parents, they both came from poor families and, and, uh, I mean, but at that time, most of Chinese parents were kind of in a very similar situation. But right now, like my generation, uh, we got to live in a lot of better lives compared to my parents' generation. And uh, so people from my parents' generation, they, they tried really hard to, you know, put a lot of hope and effort to their kids they they want to give them really good education. So most of my peers in China, most of my peers' parents, my, my friends' parents in China, a lot of them actually honestly aren't that supportive. If their kids want to go to school, that is, you know, out of 200 uh, in the States or, you know, uh, if they, they, their parents will definitely kind of just disagree with their kids' decision if they try to go to a school that no, they don't, they, they don't want them to go. And uh, uh, I'm just thankful that my parents let me decide what lifestyle I want and what where I want to go for college. They have full support on me. I think that's so amazing. It really seems like your parents are, throughout your entire story, they're just kind of this force that's always been behind you. They sound like incredible people. And so <laughs> it's just really amazing. Like I that's that's wonderful. I just I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story because I thank you. I feel like it's such an inspiring one and I really I really appreciate you being so willing to to come on the spark and to open up in the way that you've done and to share um your journey with us because I it's it's such a powerful one and what's so cool about your journey is you're still right in the middle of it. So it's awesome. I, maybe in a few years, like we'll follow up with you and you'll be documenting all those amazing stories all around the world that you want to capture. So I just, I really want to thank you for your time and, and, and sharing everything with us. It really means a lot. Thank you guys so much for doing this. I mean, thank you. Thank you guys again for having me. Um, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And also just always know that you're not alone. And even though our journeys are so different, but, uh, but we know sometimes being in the middle can be so intimidating and so lonely. So just know that you're never alone. And I'm sure that your, your episode will resonate so, with so many people out there. And um, yeah, I really hope that one day, going home will be so easy for you and traveling will be so easy for you too. And yeah, thank you so much for your time. And yeah, hopefully in the future we can meet in person very soon. Sure. I can't wait for that day. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to join in on the conversation. Connect with us on Instagram at spark underscore podcast and Facebook at The Spark Podcast with Megan Amy, or send us an email at hellosparkpodcast at gmail.com. And wherever you may be listening from, we hope you have the courage to be the spark.